Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our risen and living Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. The word of God that we hear this morning comes from the prophet Ezekiel, chapter 2, verses 1 to 5. And he said to me, Son of man, stand on your feet, and I will speak to you. Then the Spirit entered me when he spoke to me and set me on my feet, and I heard him who spoke to me. And he said to me, Son of man, I am sending you to the children of Israel, to a rebellious nation that has rebelled against me. There and they and their fathers have transgressed against me to this very day, for they are impudent and stubborn children. I am sending you to them, and you shall say to them, Thus says the Lord God. As for them, whether they hear or whether they refuse, for they are a rebellious house, yet they will know that a prophet has been among them. So far the word of the Lord. Sanctify us by your truth, O Lord. Your word is truth. Amen. How many of you have seen that movie, Cool Runnings? That's one of my brother's favorites. For those of you who maybe haven't seen it, it's the, the movie is based on real-life events. It's the story of how a group of Jamaicans entered the Olympics as a bobsled team, which everyone thought was rather silly for people who live in Jamaica to enter to have a team that sleds on ice. And that's part of the story, of course. Near the end of the movie, one of the last scenes the team is on their last run. They, they make it to the Olympics. They qualify. They're doing their last run. And the bobsled flips over just before they reach the finish line. And so the team has to crawl out from under and stand up and carry the sled across the finish line. And everyone cheers and applauds. They didn't win the Olympics. They didn't even come close to winning the Olympics. And yet, everyone is cheering and applauding. Because despite the odds, they showed up. Despite the odds, they qualified. And they actually made it to the end. They actually finished. Sometimes that's enough, isn't it? Sometimes that's enough of a reason to rejoice, to applaud. Simply arriving, simply standing up, simply finishing. In our text this morning... God lays before Ezekiel the goal of simply standing up. The Lord says to him, stand up. And Ezekiel stands, not on his own, but by the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's enough of a reason to rejoice. And more than that, God lays before the nation of Israel the goal, the goal to Ezekiel, but also to the nation of Israel, simply to preach his word. God's goal isn't that Ezekiel go out and convert the entire nation of Israel, but he says, well, whether they hear or whether they don't, at least the word of God was preached. At least they know that there was a prophet among them. Sometimes it's enough simply to stand up. That's the goal. Sometimes it's enough simply to preach the word of God. In our text, Ezekiel is called by the Lord to stand. 
And Ezekiel wasn't standing at the moment. He was on his knees, more than on his knees. He was, he was on his knees with his face in the dirt because he had received this vision of the Lord. In chapter 1, we hear about that vision, and maybe some of you remember it, that vision of the wheels filled with eyes and the four living creatures, each with four heads and filled with eyes and the wings and in the midst of them the storm and the lightning and going to and fro about the earth. Ezekiel received this vision and saw the glory of the Lord and reacted the way that people almost always do when confronted with the Lord. There's not much we can do other than to fall on our face, knowing our sin and seeing the glory of God. And yet here he is on his knees, on his face, and the Lord says, stand. When we talk about repentance, we usually think of the way Ezekiel is, kneeling in with his hands and knees on the ground in pleading for mercy, really. That position of, of laying down before the Lord. And that, of course, is a position of repentance. And we usually think of standing as more of a, a position of, of pride, maybe even arrogance, of those who think they can stand before the Lord. But in our text, standing can also be a position of repentance. It's the attitude of the heart that makes the difference, right? You can stand before the Lord and say, well, no, I'm good enough to stand on my own, and that would be very arrogant, and you're not going to stand for very long if you try that. But you can also stand before the Lord in repentance. And the difference between kneeling in repentance and standing in repentance is that kneeling implies a begging for mercy. Be, be merciful with me. There's nothing I can do. Have mercy on me. Oh, well, we need to do that before the Lord, of course. But standing implies a reception of God's judgment. We even have phrases like that in English, right? Stand and take it like a man. The implication there is, yeah, you've done wrong, but you need to stand and accept now your guilt. You need to ex accept the consequences of your actions. And in some sense, that is what God is saying to Ezekiel. Stand and hear what I have to say to you. Ezekiel doesn't know yet what it is that God is going to say to him. And he's probably thinking through in his head all the sins he's committed and wondering which one of them God is going to condemn him for or if God is going to list them all. And so God says, stand and hear what I have to say to you. That act of standing is repentance and a willingness to hear God's judgment. I notice that that is not something that Ezekiel is able to do on his own. It's not something that we're able to do on our own either. That ability to stand before God and hear his judgment against us, no, that, that's not something that we can do. And yet God calls us, he calls Ezekiel to stand, he calls us to stand, and so he gives Ezekiel the spirit. The Lord said to me, Son of man, stand on your feet. And then in verse 2, Then the spirit entered me, and then I stood by the power of the Spirit, right? The same Spirit that Ezekiel is going to uh, hear, is going to see later on in the book of Ezekiel, that vision of the dry bones, and it's that same Spirit and the power of the Spirit that enters those bones and causes them to knit together and to live. The same Spirit that we see entering Christ in his baptism and giving him power, the power of God. And the same Spirit that Paul says is the guarantee of our inheritance. It's that Spirit that gives us the power to stand. 
before the Lord and receive the judgment he speaks to us. Speaking to Nicodemus, Jesus says in John 6.63, it is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. That spirit gives Ezekiel the the ability, the power to stand before the Lord, and that is enough in and of itself to rejoice and to celebrate that we are able to stand, not on our own, but by God's spirit. And of course, what is the judgment that God speaks? That's not actually recorded to us in our text. It says that Ezekiel is supposed to stand and hear the word of the Lord, but what that judgment is, well, that's kind of left out, but of course we know it from the rest of Scripture. The judgment that God speaks to us is, you are forgiven for the sake of my son Jesus Christ, who died for your blood, for your sins, sorry. <laughs> we don't have to be Moses, right? We don't have to be Paul. We don't have to be famous or rich. We don't have to save the world. It's enough for us that by the power of the Spirit and through baptism and faith in Christ, we are able to stand before God and receive that judgment, that judgment of the forgiveness of sins. It's not something we can do on our own, as Paul reminds us in 1 Corinthians 12, 3. Therefore I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed, for no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the power of the Holy Spirit. It's not something we can do on our own, but God, who is rich in mercy, has given us his Holy Spirit so that we may stand before the judgment seat of the Lord and hear those wonderful words. Now, on this day, of course, we think not only of ourselves, but very naturally our thoughts today turn to our nation, what its past was, what, it, what its future might be, what it is today, and what grace God may, may or may not have given to it. That's what today is all about, rejoicing in what the blessings that God has given to us in this nation that he has given to us. And once again, we see that, well, it's enough that our nation stands by the grace of God. That's enough of a reason to rejoice and to celebrate. And what's more, our text goes on to remind us what's the goal for God. Well, the, our text speaks about God's goal for his people, the people of Israel, but we, know, we see that it's also God's goal for, for our nation, for our people as well. And what is that goal? Whether they hear or whether they don't hear, whether they believe or whether they don't listen, it is enough that there was a prophet among them. It's enough that the word of God was preached among them. That's God's goal for for our nation as well. And it's enough of a reason to celebrate. The Puritans, when they landed here over over, 400 years ago, just about 400 years ago, they had a dream for this land. They dreamt that here we can, they can establish a new nation, they can establish a new community based on God's word. They, in, in fact, they thought, well, we can establish God's kingdom on earth, a pure nation, uh, free from the sins of, of Europe and the sins of England. And they thought that, that they could do that. And unfortunately, many people still think that about America, that here we can establish God's kingdom on earth, that if we have the right methodology, if we vote for the right people, if we make the right laws, we can make America a purely Christian nation, and and God will be very pleased with us us then, and we'll we'll be such a great nation then. That was a rather ambitious 
uh, goal for the Puritans, and even for many of the Christians, even of our own day, a much greater, a much harder goal than a group of Jamaicans who wanted to win the bobsled event at the Winter Olympics. It was rather a lot. And it's not, not only ambitious, but it's also in some ways contrary to what Scripture tells us. For the word of the Lord makes it clear to us that God does, no longer has a chosen nation. He no longer plays favorites among the nations of the earth. He doesn't have this nation that, well, that's his favorite and that's his chosen people. What did Jesus say to the disciples just before he ascended into heaven? He said, go and teach all nations. He puts all nations on an equal footing there. He doesn't say, well, make your home here and make this your, your base, and then, you know, the others you can get to when you have time. But he says, no, all nations equally preach my word. That's, that's his goal for the earth. It's true that God did have a chosen nation. In the Old Testament, he chose the people of Israel, for, and they were his own special people. He talks about them in that way many times. And he chose them for a very special reason. He chose them as an incubator, as you will, to bring forth the Messiah. But once the Messiah had come, now there is no longer one chosen nation, but God's desire is that his word be preached equally throughout the world. And Paul reminds us of the same fact in Romans 10, 12 to 13. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is over all, is rich to all who call upon him. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So again, Paul says, well, there's no distinction between this nation or that nation. Now here he's talking about Israel and Greece or Rome, but you could clearly add in any nation you want there. There is no distinction between, in God's eyes, between America and France and Russia and China. He is the God who reigns over all, and his desire is that the word of God be preached everywhere, and he is rich in mercy to whom? Not to America or Americans over and above others, but he is rich in mercy to all who call upon him, regardless of their ethnicity or their language. America is not more loved by God than any other nation. It's not God's chosen nation. And that's okay. We don't need it to be. It is enough for us. It's enough of a reason to rejoice and celebrate today that America stands by God's grace. And certainly, we don't deserve to exist as a nation. There's plenty of sins that God ought to punish going on in our land. And yet, nevertheless, by his mercy, by his grace, he allows us to remain and blesses us through that nation, blesses us very much so. And so we rejoice and we celebrate in the blessings that God has given us in our nation and gives us now. And it may be that it won't last. We don't know what's going to happen in a year or 20 years from now. But now God is blessing us and has given us this, this wonderful land and we thank and we appreciate and rejoice in that. It's enough of a reason to rejoice this day. But more than that, as I mentioned before, our text goes on to say, well, what is God's goal for our nation? And he says, it's enough that God's word is preached. Whether they hear or whether they don't hear, well, that's on them, but it's enough that, that there is a prophet among them. That was, God's, that was God's goal, he says to Ezekiel, for his own people, for the nation of Israel, who were his chosen nation. 
He didn't say to Ezekiel, make sure that you convert all the Israelites. He didn't say to Ezekiel, well, make sure at least half of them. He didn't say to Ezekiel, well, you need to make sure you, uh, you grow a church of 10,000 people. That, that's your goal. He said, hear my word and preach it, and that's enough. It's enough that they know that there was a prophet among them. It's enough that God's word is preached. And that's true for us as well. As we go out to share God's word, what is our, our goal in sharing God's word? To make sure that our church grows to 10,000? Well, that would be nice. I mean, it would be nice if all America repented and turned to the Lord. That would be great. But it's enough that we preach God's word and that they know that there was a prophet among them. When I was in college, I once uh, took a job. I, I didn't stay in that job for very long, but I took a job collecting donations for a certain nonprofit company. And the second day of that job, the, the group leader asked me, well, what's your goal for today? How many donations do you think you can bring in? I don't remember what number I told him, but I remember him giving me this look like, don't you think that's a little excessive of a goal? That's probably a lot for you to expect on your second day. And sure enough, I, I didn't come anywhere close. I set the bar a little high. And the Puritans set the bar a little bit high when they came to America thinking, oh yeah, we're going to establish God's kingdom here on this earth. And unfortunately, there are many pastors, many Christians who still set that bar a little high. If we can figure out the right methodology if we can preach with enough power, if we can do this or that, and they come up with all kinds of gimmicks that they think are going to accomplish this, well, then we can establish God's kingdom. We can turn America back to the Lord. But when sending his prophets to his chosen people, God says, it's enough. It's going to be hard enough for you just to preach my word truthfully, honestly. That's enough. You know, leave the results up to me and to the power of the Spirit and the power of that word. It's enough for you that you preach the word. It's enough that they know that there was a prophet among them. Our goal as a church, our goal as Christians is not, okay, we need to make sure that we convert the whole world or even all of our nation. But our goal is simply preach God's word faithfully, and to share it with those whom we have opportunity to. And we leave the results up to God. At least they will know that there is a prophet among them. That's enough. It's enough for us that our nation stands, and it does so by the grace of God, and God blesses us through it. That's enough of a reason, and more than enough, to rejoice and to celebrate this day. It's enough for us as a church that we preach and teach and share God's word in its truth and its purity. That's enough for us. <clears throat> we leave the rest up to God. And it's enough for us individually that by the power of the Spirit we're able to stand before God and to hear that wonderful judgment. You are a sinner, but your sins are forgiven for the sake of Jesus Christ. It's enough. Amen. The peace of God that surpasses all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus.